We just need to figure out what he's after. With respect, Master Wayne, perhaps this is a man you don't fully understand either. A long time ago, I was in Burma. My friends and I were working for the local government. They were trying to buy the loyalty of tribal leaders by bribing them with precious stones. But their caravans were being raided in a forest north of Rangoon by a bandit. So we went looking for the stones. But in six months, we never met anyone who traded with him. One day, I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. The bandit had been throwing them away. Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. That's right. It's the show about movies, and it's the show about how sometimes when your parents die, you you can become the knight. Oh, right. It is about that. <laughs> that <laughs> is like, what this what show is about. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I was for a second, I was like, oh, no, we did decide to push this back a week, right? <laughs> yeah, no. Yes, you become the knight and uh, you put all of your hope on one elected official. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, sometimes, cop. you know, sometimes you don't get the podcast you deserve but the one that you've <laughs> earned and the one that you need right now the one that you need right now and sometimes and what you need right now is called generation loss it's generation loss the show about movies with brandon jeremy sometimes right. <laughs> sometimes you have to let people believe in those hard truths and and sometimes they deserve a lie and sometimes you you enter your third year of the podcast uh still without actually ever nailing down what the premise of the show is <laughs> Uh, sometimes you realize you don't really need a premise. You don't really need a premise. What is? What's the point of a premise anyway? You know, sometimes you're just the knight. Sometimes you just have CIA technology at your fingertips, and you get a bunch of uh, Patreon subscribers uh, to all you know check each other and and give you money. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes you just exploit workers for fun. For fun. Yeah. And you put it on little TVs. Yeah. <laughs> and then you make <laughs> the only black guy you know watch it. <laughs> yeah, does he give him a ra- we shouldn't talk about the movie yet. Uh, <laughs> does he give him a raise? Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> yeah. Cuz he's like I'm not going to do it. <laughs> what if I doubled your salary? It doesn't even come up. <laughs> it's just a moral thing. Yeah. He's clearly a, also rich, I assume. You got to imagine, yeah, he flies out to China on a whim. You don't have that kind of... Yeah. I mean, I know it was on the company dime, but you don't have that kind of job if you're not rich. No, no. He's he's making some sort of... He's probably one of those guys who's got... Um, like, owns an apartment in the Upper West Side. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he his, his elevator opens up into his house. Yeah, and it's like one of those big buildings that has like a name, like the door. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Winston. <laughs> <laughs> the Lucius Fox. <laughs> yeah, his name does sound like the name of one of those buildings. <laughs> yeah. Have you anyway, ever been into one of those places? Yes, a bunch, actually. I knew a lot of people growing up who lived in those. 
I interviewed a heart surgeon once and she was like on 72nd street or whatever. And we like went into the elevator, which is like their living room. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, dude, it's wild. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty fun to have that much money, I'm sure. Well, some of these people don't even have that much money. Some of these people like they, you know, it was the equivalent of what my parents paid for like our shitty house. but They just chose to live in the city instead of the suburbs and like. Like Back smarties. Then, you know, they were just giving away property in the city. <laughs> Literally, we talked about that on the rent episode. Yeah. <laughs> Go back and listen to the rent episode. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're here to talk about movies. We are we're here to talk about movies. Of people's New York City apartments, <laughs> which I am. Which I am also. <laughs> um, so, should I talk about what I watched? Yes. Yeah, so what did you watch this week, Brian? Well, I watched a couple of things. I mean, we've been gone for a week and. Uh, I did want to tell you that I um, watched a double feature on New Year's Eve with my friends who we watch bad movies, mm-hmm. and it was the movie Money Train with, oh. uh, with uh, Woody Harrelson and, and Wesley Snipes re- yes. back together again after White Men Can't Jump. And also, after that, we watched Money Plane, Ooh. Which, is, <laughs> which is Kelsey Grammer in one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Uh <laughs> Is directed by the, one of the Lawrence brothers, and it had every Lawrence brother in it. Ooh. And those were both very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to also mention that Money Train is about doing a heist on the MTA Money Train, which is apparently not a real thing. No. But it's a, <laughs> some sort of, it's basically a Brinks truck train. Mm-hmm. Um, and these two transit. And it's for pro- what? It's, it's like what money is on the train? <laughs> That's not clear. I think it might be just fares. That can't be what the premise is. It is. <laughs> it's, it's the like, fair money. <laughs> I think so. Because like back then, when them when did that movie come out? Uh, shit, I don't know, nineteen ninety something. Yeah, it probably still was tokens. So it was. It is. It's tokens. <laughs> yeah, so it's just a whole fucking. It's a whole train full of tokens. <laughs> yes. And well, it's cash at some point, but whatever. Also, Robert Blake is the bad guy, and he's just insanely virulent, virulently racist the whole uh-huh. time. The premise of the movie is that Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes are brothers, and everyone loves talking about that <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and like joking about how Woody Harrelson is black, and it's it's crazy. <laughs> uh, it's very boring about halfway through, but the first half an hour is fantastic. Interesting. Anyway, what I wanted to talk about really, though, is a movie that everyone has been talking about called Don't Look Up. Yes. Um, Everyone's by, talking about it. Well, they were maybe last week. I feel like people less are talking about it now. But I did watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one that I did catch the wind of on, on um, you know, on the discourse on Letterboxd, on Twitter, on Critics. Yes. So it is um, the same guy who did uh, Big Short. Big Short. Adam McKay. Mm -hmm. He's also doing the cool Lakers show that we're excited about. Yes, 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 Um, yes. Winning time. Um, And did you watch Don't Look Up? No. Oh, okay. Um, So... Is it all funny? Is it like scary? Is it like, what's the, what's the (laughs) overall vibe of it? That's what, well, this is the huge problem with the movie. Um, so if you haven't heard of don't look up if you're not you know following the sort of people i'm following uh don't look up is a movie directed by the guy who did big short and also you know anchorman adam mckay 
And it's about these two scientists who are at the University of Michigan, I think. Um, And they do like these calculations and they sort of figure out that there's a comet about to hit the earth in like six months. It's like on course. It's like 99.7% chance it's going to directly hit earth uh, by all their calculations. And so when it does, it's going to destroy everything and kill everybody. That's right. It's a, you know, nuclear winter sort of. It's Armageddon. It's It's the Armageddon. It's it's literally Armageddon and deep impact. It's, it's going to kill, kill you. And so they're like, well, shit, we better tell someone. So they call NASA and NASA calls the president. And then they're sort of just like stuck in this bureaucracy of trying to figure out what they're supposed to do Mm -hmm. to even get to a place where they can get to talk to someone who can take it seriously. And that takes a long time. And I will say that that part of the movie is pretty funny. There's a lot of like really dry kind of dark humor. Like one of the joint chiefs of staff, like (laughs) is like, Hey, I'm going to the snack shop or whatever. Do you guys want anything? And he comes back with like chips and shit Mm -hmm. while they're waiting to talk to the president. And, um, and he's like, oh, it was like four dollars or whatever. And they like give him money. And then like the next time they come to the White House, they realize it's like free. And mm-hmm. so they're like, that joint chief of staff just caught charged us money for no reason. And then there's like <laughs> this whole like long argument about whether he's just doing it as a power move or is it a prank or mm-hmm. is he senile? Like, and, like there's stuff like that in the movie that's just like joking about the weird people who are in the White House. Sure. Um, and that stuff I thought was pretty funny. Um, but it kind of every single joke I think the movie has is overdone and drawn out and like goes too long and keeps trying to revisit it as though it's the funniest premise. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just stops being interesting. Um, I would say the movie's way too long. It's two and a half hours long. Why can't um, anybody make a fucking 90 minute <laughs> comedy anymore? <laughs> I don't know. And or bull- anything for that matter. Well, Why can't anything thing- be short? The bullshit thing about this one in particular is that it just doesn't have anything new happening. Mm-hmm. Like basically they talk to the president. The president's a dumbass. She's functionally Kristen cinema. Um, okay. It's, it's um, Meryl Streep and Jonah Hill is like her dipshit, like, you know, fire festival, bro. Uh, what's the chief of, st- chief staff? of staff? Um, you know, and so they're just like idiots and they're like, well, that's going to cost a lot of money. We don't care, you know, whatever. And so the point of the whole movie is that the whole like bureaucratic uh, engine of what would happen is just completely shut down and they're not going to do anything. And so they don't throughout care. all this bureaucracy, like, does the world know? Does everybody know about it? So they decide about literally like 45 minutes into the movie <laughs> that they're going to um, just go to journalists okay. and tell people. And then that sort of is also skewered and like the journalists don't really want anything except something sensational. That doesn't really do anything. And then once it starts to go where everyone knows and it becomes this meme um, where it's a thing, but no one actually gives a shit. Then I think the movie takes a really big nosedive where it starts trying to do this imagined idea of what the world would or what America would would react like. Mm -hmm. And it basically is COVID. 
where okay. it's just like, it's not really happening. It is really happening. And everyone's sort of like, you know, having this uh, running campaign slogans called like, don't look up. And yeah. like, it doesn't matter. And it's sort of like simultaneously too on the nose and n- un- and too unrealistic, I guess. Like, the premise doesn't really work as a metaphor for mm-hmm. me with climate change or with COVID because it's like something you can literally see. Yeah, the comet at- is too immediate of a threat. Right. And also, I think the problem, another big problem is we didn't create it. So that mm-hmm. and there's there's no reason that it would be unbeneficial to capital and like the system of like global neoliberalism to stop it because it's not something that was caused by it. And is it ever like established that it's something that is preventable? Because that's the other problem, right? Is that it's like in other movies of this type, like Armageddon, for example, like it takes this like insane act of God, like sort <laughs> of like moving of of you know, getting this team together to get up there and do this insane thing that may not work all together. Right. And, and, right. and, and that's what prevents it from, from impacting. Is, is there something like that in this movie where it's like, it's actually pretty simple. We could actually do it pretty quick. If everybody could just get together and do it. Yeah, Not, not really, or at least I didn't feel like it was sold very well. It's like, it kind of takes for granted that if we just nuke it, Mm-hmm. Like basically do Armageddon plan where you send a bunch of oil drillers up there, drill down and then put a nuke in the middle. Yeah. It'll be fine. Like the movie sort of presents it like that, but it's not really ever talked about. It's just like you, you've seen Armageddon. That's, then that's another, happen. yeah, that's another failing point of this, <laughs> of this premise, right? Is that it's like the problem that I'm seeing right now is that it's like, it's presenting this situation where it's like the solution to climate change is not, you know, necessarily realistic to begin with. And so that, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the problem from the get go in this, in this comet scenario, right. Is that it's like, it's not clear if there even is a solution to this. So why <laughs> would anybody really like, right. you know, like what uh, are they supposed to be banding together for is I guess right. the question. And right? then you've got the sort of like Steve jobs slash Jeff Bezos slash Elon Musk character, who is like deep in the government's, you know, inner circles. And he's like, well, we can actually make a lot of money if we do it this way. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, let's do it this way. That guy is like, not funny. Like that whole, basically there's a certain turning point in the movie where things just become like deadly unfunny. Like Mm -hmm. everything falls flat. Um, And it, it starts being way more interested in like, selling these characters who are barely characters you know everything sort of has that sort of dr strange love metaphor thing except nothing's funny um and then like trying to sell these characters as like real emotional people who are doing real emotional things there's this huge long part of the movie where uh leonardo DiCaprio's character starts having an affair with one of the the uh like talking heads on one of the news anchors and it's just no one gives a shit it's like taken way too seriously and mm-hmm. is not funny and is not interesting it doesn't serve the the metaphor at all or the, I mean, the meaning I guess of the movie or whatever it's i guess like the point of it is that it's like trying like you can easily be usurped into like this elite world you know mm-hmm. where you could just like get distracted and 
like the thing about the movie is that it's super good hearted and I don't think it has a really, it's not really a bad take movie. Like I think one of the big problems with the discourse is like arguing about its politics. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's, it has good politics. It's just like kind of a not very well thought out movie. (laughs) Yeah. Like (laughs) I saw um, some quote that like the libs are all going crazy over right now. That's like, um, I guess somebody asked Adam McKay, like, you never say if the president is a Republican or a Democrat. (laughs) And he's like, well, I don't really know what they are. And it doesn't really matter because both are pretty bad right now on these particular issues. And all these all these Twitter libs are all just like, oh, I can't believe he's doing a both sides are bad about this (laughs) fake (laughs) thing he made up. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's the movie has a specific point of view, which is climate change slash COVID. I mean, he wrote it clearly before COVID, Mm -hmm. but, you know, climate change slash big structural problems. We're just not doing anything about it. It's because all of the people at the top are just, you know, these sort of like uh, single minded self-made entrepreneurs who are only interested in furthering their careers or making money. Right. And that's true. It's a completely true statement making this trying to look at this movie and be like, oh, it's a lib movie or whatever. It's just like, who, shut up. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that it's not very funny mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's way too long. Yeah. And I, I will I do want to appreciate the movie for sticking to its guns and not pussying out on the ending. Okay, well, um, does is it end with? It the... ends with everybody dying. Hell yes, dude! Um, <laughs> and I, I'll say that that sequence and like once everyone sort of decides that that's what's going to happen, like they the Jeff Bezos character tries to like do his stupid or it's really Elon Musk. It's like dumb robot version of how to do it, and like you know that fails and like they all realize they're going to die and they get into their space pod and like go away. Uh-huh. Um, oh, they do. They do evacuate her. Y- yeah. 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 Do they well, show what like, happens to them. Cause it's the post credit sequence. Yeah. Um, it's well, like what a, happens? it's a, well, a spoiler is that it's a goofy, but uh, they like go into cryogenic sleep and mm-hmm. they like return to earth like 10,000 years later. And uh, they immediately all get eaten by dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, that's fun. <laughs> it's funny. Um, but uh, yeah, the sequence where they all sort of decide like they're all going to die is really good and well done. Um, and, and I think it just needs so much editing. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be 90 minutes. It needs to be a quick like, this is the point. Here's a few laughs about it. Here's a really dark ending about it. And one post-credits laugh, we're out. Otherwise, it it's not really worth the slog of getting through the like second half, of the, like the second act of the movie, which is just like, so boring yeah (laughs) so i would give it like two stars for being like sort of up its own ass and not very funny what out of five okay (laughs) you know it's like it's not bad or anything i think people are making a mountain out of a molehill with it it's just like it's not really worth arguing about it's just not nothing to write home about unfortunately yeah so what did you watch this week thanks for asking you're welcome um (laughs) I uh, I've been watching uh, the the Apple TV Plus original series. Uh, it Ted is. Lasso. <laughs> it's an Apple TV Plus show, and Apple you TV have that. Plus. No, I uh, I signed up for a free trial. My mother uh, 
wanted to get a subscription to it and she's like we'll get it i'm i told her i, I what i've told you which is i am I have a principled stance against gaining any new subscription services. <laughs> I will not do it. She says she wants to watch Ted Lasso. And she says she has other shows in there that she wants to watch. She wants to get the subscription, but she already has a bunch of the subscriptions that I use. So she says, you have to get oh. it. It's your turn. Uh, and um, so I, I thought I'd get the, uh, the trial version first to like have a little look around to see if everything is appropriate for my mother. <laughs> well you can't have her watching things that aren't appropriate no definitely not uh, in in my free trial which i i do have to cancel i think tomorrow maybe the next day um better find out (laughs) i have it in my calendar i won't forget uh but are are you not gonna pay for it for your mom no this is garbage she can't watch this Uh, no, so I'm watching Ted Lasso in my week of uh, free trial membership of Apple TV Plus. I've sure. gotten through the first season. I'm like most of the way through the second season now. Um, fascinating television show. I think says a lot about the American psyche and like where we're at as a culture right now. Really, uh, in terms of like the way that we are consuming things and like what we're looking for in entertainment products in today's world. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a base premise here is that Ted yeah, Lasso. I have no idea what this show is. Okay, Ted Lasso tells the story of an American football coach. He coaches like a. Uh, a college football team division two who gets hired to uh, be the head manager of a uh, British premier league soccer team. Um, so it's in Britain. It's in Britain. Yes. And oh it's my Ted Lasso, God. this Midwestern American football coach has to move to England to coach a soccer team. He's never played soccer before. He doesn't know anything about soccer, but he gets <laughs> hired for this job. And Uh that's the basic premise that we're coming into it with, right? And it's fish out of water, Ted Lasso in England, Ted Lasso learning a new sport, blah, 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 blah. He's played with Jason Sudeikis. He's deeply charming. His whole thing is that he's extremely kind and uh, nice. And he, like, does a bunch of puns and, like... He's like uh, a Midwestern, like, school teacher. He's very, like, Minnesota nice. Yes, exactly. And, um... Uh... So the first the first very interesting thing about this is that um it's not funny. It's sometimes funny, but it's not funny. It's not a funny <laughs> okay. show. It's sometimes I mean, is funny. It, is it like Parks and Rec's not funny? Like The Office not I've funny? I've never really like- seen much of Parks and Rec or The Office for that matter, but um it it's like there are characters who are funny. Uh, there's a character Roy who is like this kind of like grumpy old player who's like at the verge of retirement, who's like always mad uh-huh. at all the young players. He's very funny. He uh, the actor is very good. He does this fun like growl when he talks, and <laughs> it's always pretty entertaining. Uh, I like him a lot. Uh huh. But so basically. It's it's a show about kindness, I guess, is kind of the idea. And it's a show about like mental health and like women in leadership and like No, what I meant by what I meant by the Parks and Rec thing is is there identifiable jokes that you don't find funny, or is it just sort of a show that isn't really about that? It's a bit of both. Okay. Um, there are identifiable jokes all over the place, but a lot of them, it doesn't feel like they're meant to be funny necessarily. They're, like you're supposed to be like charmed by them more than laugh at them. Cause it's a lot of like dad jokes and it's a lot of like puns and a lot of like just 
turns of phrase that are funny and like all okay. of the jokes basically are for Roy. Roy gets all the jokes for the most part. Roy's the uh, guy you're just talking the about. The old guy, yeah. And 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 I guess there's like the players have pretty funny jokes for the most part. Like um I just watched an episode last night that was like they have to go to a funeral and um all the players are like getting their suits together and they like never have to wear suits and they never have to like wear real people clothes. And so they're like, (laughs) what are like, so what are we all wearing? And these like black suits, everybody wears a black suit, black tie and dress shoes. They're like, what are dress shoes? (laughs) He's like, no sneakers. They're like, no sneakers. I don't have time to go wait online for 12 hours for new shoes. And the the guy's like, no, you don't have to wait online for dress shoes. Nobody wants these. (laughs) Why does he think he would have to wait online for like shoes? like uh because they're all sneaker heads, I guess, and they're used to having to go oh. for like big drops. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> so like those guys get funny jokes. Uh, okay. But Ted Lasso is kind of the main guy. And it's really just I don't know how to describe this necessarily, except that like it feels like the show is for children, but it's about like th- there's all sorts of like sex and stuff in it also like it has this weird childlike sort of view of the world where like all you ever have to do to resolve a conflict is just say sorry or like sure you know if you stand up for what's right then you know you get what you want in the end like there's a um there's a plot line in this most recent season about uh there's an african player on the team who gets this like big uh, endorsement deal with like an airline and he's like he's so excited about it and he's really happy that he got his his photo shoot and he's so proud and he shows his dad and his dad is like don't you know that that company is owned by another company that is like destroying the habitat of these animals in Nigeria where we come from and how could you fucking do this and he's like oh <laughs> I can't believe I did this so he um, does this protest where he like tape he puts like black tape over the company's name on their shirt and all of his teammates are like solidarity with you i'll do it too and they all do it together and uh-huh. it's this whole meltdown in the owner's box and they're like oh my god like they're they're going against our sponsor what are we gonna do we're gonna be in so much trouble and then she just like texts the guy and is just like i stand with my players and the guy's like oh okay and then in the next episode they just have a new sponsor and it's never talked about again what <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> it's just this like weird like dream world where, like, nobody's ever punished for anything <laughs> what okay there's no consequences <laughs> to your actions in the world of ted lasso everything is like or Everything is are, like they're... minorly tense for a moment, but then everybody makes the right decision and it's okay in the end. <laughs> or it's like actually good that you did it. Yeah. Everyone, uh-huh. you, you, the, the only consequences are good consequences. Uh-huh. Exactly. It's a very, it's, a, it, it's just, it's, it's interesting because it's like, I think that it lines up really well with like the way that action movies are now and the way that like comedies are now where like all of these things aren't really meant to be the things anymore. Like action movies don't have action in them anymore. And like comedies right. don't have jokes in them anymore. These <laughs> things are just here to like to reinforce a worldview and to like wash over you and to put you into like a general vibe. <laughs> like you, you're not there to laugh. You're there to feel good. And yeah, Ted Lasso doesn't make you. you laugh. It just makes you feel like, oh, that's nice. 
And honestly, like I, I am captivated by it. I think it's trash for sure. But I mean, I'm watching the whole show. I haven't turned it off. It's not like Emily in Paris where I just like watched one episode. and I was like, I can't watch this. This is garbage. So you do like it. I wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know what I would say. It's a tough. It's a tough call. This is Um, what's confusing about it because every time I hear people talk about it, they talk about it like this, mm -hmm. where it's like it's so weird and not funny, but I love it. (laughs) It it just feels like it's for babies. But I mean, I watch plenty of kids' shows right now, so I mean, it's not really like it's not out of my wheelhouse to see that sort of content. I guess like. I mean, I'm I'm here for like I like the Roy character. He's very enjoyable, and there's like I don't know. Even though it's so like devoid of conflict, they still kind of manage to create pretty compelling characters. Interesting. Like I don't think that Ted is necessarily always compelling, but like the more they dig into him, the more you find places where you could have interesting storylines for him. Like he, so his whole thing is that he's this Midwestern nice guy. Right. But like the Uh first thing that you see in his life is that his wife doesn't love him anymore. And he's moved to England (laughs) and left her and the son behind. And they're on zoom all the time and whatever. And he like has to keep stopping himself when he wants to say, I love you because you know, she needs space and then they come and visit and she's like listen i i like i am gonna keep working on this i want to love you again and he's like you don't have to keep trying it's okay like i'll be fine we can give up and they give up and he goes through a divorce in the first season and he Uh has like he has these like severe panic attacks and like he's like kind of an alcoholic on the low like they haven't really addressed it yet but he's like constantly drinking and you constantly see empty liquor bottles around his apartment and stuff but he's and like so, keeping it together and functioning yeah, and, and and publicly he's always just like hey what's going on <laughs> making cookies <laughs> for the boss we have our little cookie routine i bake you cookies every day <laughs> like, but then, every like, day yeah, he cook he bakes cookies every day. But then so in, he's, it's like he's Mr. Rogers or something. But yeah, he like, but then in secret he's like drinking um, himself to sleep and like desperately miserable. <laughs> and well, he I like wanting that to be idea. Like, yeah, but they don't show you enough of that, is I guess the problem is like they do one episode a season, it seems like, where they're like, by the way, Ted is very depressed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like remind it's like it's like one one episode per season of like grounding it in the viewer's life. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't a fantasy world, but you could also live like this. If you just acted like everything was moved to England. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's all paid for by travel England. Yeah. I, I, the first time that you see Ted have a panic attack, the way they do the panic attacks is very good. Like he, Uh um, he like tenses up his hands into these like really deformed little like, like claws and like, he like (laughs) holds them in front of himself and like starts shaking. And like the room does the like buzzy, like bomb just went off sound. And like, he just like freezes up and like has to go basically. But the first time that they show you that, like there's no warning. They haven't told you anything about Ted having like an anxiety disorder or anything. (laughs) So they're at like a karaoke bar and it's like, you know, the seventh episode or something like that. And like, you've seen him be chipper and cheery all this time. And you're like, well, you're you're like, when is this going to like become interesting or whatever? And he starts doing this like hand thing. And I'm like, is he going to fucking murder somebody? (laughs) (laughs) What is this show like? Yeah. I really wanted it to be that, like, secretly Ted is a murderer. 
but no. No. He's just, he's just sad. He's just having a mental health. <laughs> <laughs> I hate having mental health. And he, uh, yeah, and he, he takes it seriously, and so does the show. They have, yeah. like, a team psychiatrist and whatever. Uh-huh. You have to watch it. It's very, like, moral of the day. It's very interesting. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> it if is I for will, children. Honestly. It feels like it's for children. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Because, like, there's... I don't know. It sounds like some shows that I have enjoyed. Like, I do enjoy Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you'd like this, then, actually. Even though Parks and Rec is, like... And have truly, I, I haven't seen any of Parks and Rec, so I don't really know that for sure. But the people I know who like this show like Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec is a show that like started off being about making fun of how stupid everyone in government is, mm-hmm. and then like completely lost its way and just made it about like nice friends who spend time together all the time and happen to work in government and like are besieged by the asshole like people that they rule over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like what happened uh it gets really politically awful at a certain point but it's funny in places yeah um anyway speaking of shit that's for children (laughs) uh this week we watched a movie and it's called the dark knight that's right the third best movie of all time yeah the directed by christopher nolan uh direct written by jonathan nolan christopher nolan and david s goyer uh, it came out in oh eight, oh eight. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, maybe two thousand seven. So, so this is sort of extending our idea for December, which was to watch uh Internet Sacred Cows. Um, we didn't do one because Christmas happened and we were too busy and wanted to be with our families. Um, so we're pushing this back. Happy New Year, everybody! Happy New uh, Year! We're doing the Dark Knight. Um. The Dark Knight, uh, the Dark Knight is not the Dark Knight Rises, which the is signif- one. <laughs> significantly worse. <laughs> um, Dark Knight stars Christian Bale and Maggie Gyllenhaal and Aaron Eckhart and Heath Ledger, of course, as the Joker, and, <laughs> introducing uh, Heath Ledger as the Joker. And what's his name? Um, a Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman and um, who's Alfred? Oh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. And also Morgan Freeman. And Morgan it's Freeman. Got a, it's, we're jam-packed with stars, big people. Big cast. Yeah, you really don't think about <laughs> it. I'm a big cast. Big cast. <laughs> um, yeah, and then also the guy who played one of the cops in The Fugitive. <laughs> lots, <laughs> lots, <laughs> lots of good uh, little cameos. You're absolutely here. right. That one should also be billed with the rest <laughs> of them. <laughs> Forget that guy's name. Um, but so we begin with uh, Batman. And uh, if you haven't seen the first one, this will make even less sense. Um, Batman Begins? Be- yeah, Batman Begins. I didn't see it before I saw this one. Right. I have I- seen it now, but when I saw The Dark Knight, I, I think I'd seen The Dark Knight a couple times before I saw Batman Begins. In really? Fact. Yeah. Um, I had seen The Dark Knight. I mean, here's the thing. You don't really need to know anything from Batman Begins, but... If you don't know what Batman is, <laughs> it's very <laughs> confusing. Uh, but, you know, he's a cultural, basically cultural myth at this point. Everyone knows Batman is a billionaire who has a lot of money and is a vigilante. But um, we open with Killian Murphy doing some deal or whatever and uh, that going wrong. And then 
people who were inspired by Batman dressed up as Batman, basically like tactical bros mm-hmm. who wear Molly all over and Batman cowls. Um, they are trying to stop it, but then that doesn't work. And then the real Batman has to come save their ass. And he's like, don't copy me. Copying is yeah. bad. <laughs> uh, and they're like, well, why do you get to be Batman? He's like, because I have money, idiot. I have money. I'm not wearing <laughs> hockey pads. <laughs> Literally, his answer is, yeah. I have way more money than you. I have way you, more money than you, you guys stupid do. idiot. You fucking peons. So he, this is so, this first scene already brings up, like, so we, I don't think we have to go through the whole plot because you I'm know sure we really shouldn't because everybody has seen this movie. That's probably true, but we also cannot because it is way more convoluted and nonsensical than I even I There's remembered. There's all sorts of shit in this movie. <laughs> it's just like, what is this doing in here? <laughs> you try and do like a real broad strokes. So broad strokes is that Batman, he's a bat. He dresses up like a bat and uh, he goes out and he, he fights crime. And uh, at the beginning of the movie, now he's a, he's a legend. Everybody loves Batman. And then uh, Gary Oldman, who plays Commissioner Gordon, he's not Commissioner Gordon yet. He's regular Gordon. Gordon. <laughs> yeah, he's Gordon, Chief Gordon, I think. Chief Gordon. He's like, hey, Batman, you're never going to believe this. There's a new guy. And he's the right. Joker. And um, he's fucked okay. up, so, so the, 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 the The main premise of the film which again i want to point out if you like this movie or you think you like this movie because you saw it in 2008 a couple times yeah give it uh, a wee rewatch try to remember what the story is and then realize that there isn't one yeah uh the story is is that the mafia is running the entirety of the city and yeah, the what gangster. is the mafia doing in this <laughs> <laughs> they they and the the only hope for the 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 uh, uh for Gotham city to go back to not being a wasteland of crime is Aaron Eckhart, who is Harvey Dent, who is a district attorney. So everyone has put their like hope and faith changey Obama style, 2008 love into this guy as a DA who is the exact same platform as Rudy Giuliani, which Mm -hmm. is broken windows. I'm going to arrest more people than anyone has ever arrested. Yeah. And we're going to clean up the street. Rico to do it. Yeah, which uh, <laughs> no one knows what that is. Apparently, it's something a, a rare, <laughs> yeah, uh, a rare uncovered. Yeah, he like literally thing. like snaps his fingers when he like realizes. What like, if we charge him with a <laughs> Of course, <laughs> which that maybe obscure w- that obscure law thing that. <laughs> yeah. What if we use that to take down the mafia? What? <laughs> I'm a genius. Uh, what? Yeah. So it, it, maybe when I was 20 years old, I I was like, yeah, okay, that sounds crazy. But like, if you're an adult watching this, like, you know what Rico is. Mm. Um, so the movies for babies. Uh, oh, right. So 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 the mafia is running the whole street. The mafia and- is running the whole city. They want to take down the mafia. Uh, everybody is hoping that Harvey Dent can take down the mafia. Meanwhile, the mafia. Uh, they're scared of Batman and Batman has They've been them forced to... even more underground. <laughs> yeah. They're more underground than ever before. So this guy, the Joker shows up and he's like, what's up everybody. I'm the Joker. You love me. You love me. I'm the Joker. I and just I'm stole kill all of your Batman. money. Yeah. He just like, stole I... all their money from a bank. That's the opening sequence. And he's like, I'll kill the Batman for you. If you give me half of every, all of your money. Yeah. All the money you have. Because there's this Chinese guy who just flew away with their bank. money. <laughs> This is a. <laughs> they 
there's so many elements in this fucking movie. Yeah, this are, Chinese are. guy went to China with all their money, and the Joker's like, I'm going to kill the Batman if I can have half of all that money that he just went away with. Right. And kept it safe for you because they had a warrant to search the quote unquote mafia banks where they yeah. keep all of their money. Their mafia uh, money, yeah. Their mafia money that is illegal. And so they they hid it in China and Batman is like, I'm going to extra <laughs> uh extraditiously uh deport that guy with a airplane. Yeah. Uh, and that's flown like by flown by Korean smugglers. That was a fun little tidbit I yeah, noticed in this one. Big time. Uh and uh and he just like takes that guy back to New York's or excuse me, Gotham City. Uh and uh completely illegally by the way. Yeah. Um so this is the beginning of the movie. That's like the first half hour of the movie is setting yeah. up that premise, which so you then don't from remember. Here, <laughs> a big part of the, it, it's just going to be a lot of like Joker making the city. It's a chaos because he actually never cared about the money. He never really cared about killing Batman. None of that shit. His big thing is he just loves chaos. He's an anarchist. He loves it. He He's like a, he's like a classic anarchist, you know, like an old timey, <laughs> like a Sid vicious, like, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the lines on the A, they go real far outside of that circle. It's That's huge. the kind of anarchist no he circle. is. The circle might as well not exist. Not, <laughs> might as well not exist. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so he's just making chaos and Batman's trying to stop him. And Alfred is like, some men just want to watch the world burn. And, um, and then they have a big face off, and the, that's the movie. So, so let's talk more broadly about the movie. I don't care about the plot. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, something I noticed this time watching it that I hadn't, I, I hadn't really thought of as part of this movie before, is it's so fucking scripty. Oh yeah, big it's time. so scripty, and it's so funny to me that this is the one that people were like, like this was pitched when it came out as like somebody took Batman and they made it like serious and more realistic, you know, more, (laughs) more, more in our world. Yeah. And like, this is like, this is supposed to be like, what is the opposite of naturalistic? Like whatever Uh, that is, is how the dialogue in this movie. Everyone's doing like a fucking Grecian, like trad cath guy soliloquies the whole time and when they're not doing (laughs) that they're saying they're they're doing these like ridiculous like fucking lobs over the plate for people to say one-liners like what made me think of it right away was that that first scene with batman where he's in the parking garage and the kid who's tied up he doesn't say like why can't we fight crime he says this whole thing where he's just like he's like and w- what are you supposed? What gives you the right? What yeah, yeah. makes you different? <laughs> he's like, like he's as like, if to just be we're like citizens of this city who <laughs> demand justice, yeah. and we want to help too. What gives you the right? It's like shut up. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right off the bat. I mean, and also uh, the whole opening sequence with the Joker. Mm-hmm. You know everyone talking directly to the camera being like they told me to kill this guy we're doing this we're they opening say the joker's got weird scars on his face <laughs> <laughs> it's written like a fucking like schumacher movie yeah. you know like it feels very like and another it- really scripty thing there is the the mafia guy who whoever that character actor is he's in all sorts of shit um uh-huh 
that the guy, you know, the, the shotgun who's like, you know who you're stealing from, don't you? Oh, you yeah, and yeah. your friends are dead. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Uh, so he at the end is like, yeah, criminals in this town, they used to believe in something. <laughs> what do you believe in? Like, <laughs> why would what you be asking you him that? About? If yeah. not just to prompt the the cool Joker one liner, he's like, what doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. <laughs> Which sucks. It's a terrible line, but they do that weird like bass drop on his voice that like, what is yeah. that supposed to be? <laughs> I don't know. It never happens again. Never happens again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so did, when you watched this movie the first time, what, what was your feeling? Um, I loved it the first time I saw it because I was um, really drunk. And <laughs> we had... Big um, time hammered. <laughs> big time hammered. We had, uh, <laughs> we had downloaded it. This was when I was living in the... Uh, the haunted castle squat that I lived in with like all the anarchists. And we had, um, this was like right when we moved into this place and it was like 12 of us all crammed into one bedroom of this building because the heat hadn't turned on. And so we had a space heater that we had in the one room. And so we were all sleeping in one bedroom together. Uh, Uh and we were trying to entertain ourselves. So we downloaded the dark Knight, and this was right when it came out we we pirated it and we put it up on on a projector and okay. we all just got fucking hammered and watched <laughs> the dark night and just like cheering for the joker just <laughs> screaming like pounding on the walls just so excited <laughs> about the joker <laughs> <laughs> he's one of us <laughs> yeah for real dude for real we all were just like he's a fucking anarchist just like us he's so cool we love the joker <laughs> Just I mean, hammer. <laughs> I mean, in terms of what he actually does, mm. uh, besides all of the kit, like random murder of people that he does, uh, it is all pretty cool, you know. <laughs> yeah, burning all that money is pretty sick. Burning the money is cool. I mean, I guess the explosion, the kill- blowing up the hospital isn't very cool, but like the no. the the fairy thing at the end when you're a kid is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so my, my feeling on the movie was I saw it in theater. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, this was p- the peak of my, uh, you know, epic soyness, I would suppose, you know, I really was buying, I had like a big stack of comics waiting for me every week at the comic book store, you know, like I, 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 I liked this stuff. Yeah. So I was excited about the movie. I liked, I thought Batman Begins was pretty okay. Like I the the grim dark even at the time didn't like sit with me as like it didn't really work for me like I liked that that they were taking it seriously but I I wasn't a huge fan of like how gritty it was it, like I was like Batman isn't Sin City and like it, this isn't exactly how Frank Miller even has him but I I don't know whatever I was like mildly critical but I liked Batman Begins for me. I liked this movie except all of the dialogue. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like at the time I was like, none of this makes any sense. What does it mean to die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain? Like right. that doesn't even really apply to what he means in that specific context yeah. of that scene. It and doesn't it's just mean like a anything. weird worldview to have. <laughs> yeah. He also like watching it now. It's really insane where it like, 
he's talking about Rome all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and they're like, yeah. And then he like they and then Caesar, you know, like destroyed democracy. And he was like, well, you either die a hero, live long, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And everyone's just like, what? <laughs> like even in the context of the movie, people are like, what do you, what do you mean? Um, and 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 what really bothered me at the time, I remember specifically, was I felt that the movie pussied out in the Joker boat thing. Where mm-hmm. it's like the 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 perspective of the movie to me at the time was that Batman is beaten because hope is useless and there is chaos in the world and he's always going to be futilely trying to make something better and the best thing he can do is go away. Yeah. <laughs> That's the point of the movie and for whatever reason it's like actually people are good and won't kill each other in like the climax of the big like stare stare down between the Joker and Batman Joker's point, which he claims not to have, right? He's like, I don't have a plan except I spend hundreds of thousands of dollars doing all these plans and yeah, pranks yeah, yeah. and stuff. Um, you know, in, in that moment, it's like, actually, no, there isn't chaos. You can rely on people to just be good. Then why is there Batman? Then why is there Batman? Why is there anything? Yeah. Why is there a movie? And I felt like it would have been much better if the people just blew up the prisoners. Yes, exactly. I always thought that that's how it should have gone was that the guy, the one prisoner guy does the right thing and like, you know, does the whole his whole monologue. He gets his moment still. He gets his monologue where he's like, I'll do what you should have done a long time ago. And then he throws it out the window. And then four seconds later, the whole boat blows up. Yeah. And then there, and then that like asshole with the trench coat who's like, he just like, yeah, does, he's, like he's like pressing like, it a few times. He's just like, yeah. just making sure it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how the movie should go. Yeah, because absolutely. the point, if because the point of the movie has this very, very fascistic outlook that like the ravaging hordes of Gotham will only do evil. Yeah. And you need people like Harvey Dent and Batman to run a tight ship and arrest everybody and make sure every, you know what I mean? Like, the point of it is a very grim nihilistic outlook. Um, and if they wanted to do that, while I don't agree with it at all, obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, as a communist, I uh, wish they had just done it, like make it dark and make the Joker win, even if he catches them, right? Using right. his fucking like NSA technology to track him down, mm-hmm. uh, illegal wiretapping him. Um, he should still. Th- like philosophically win and they're too pussy to even do that so i was pissed at this movie at that point for that reason uh what i what i realized watching it now is that even though what i what i thought then was that it was a mediocre movie with a great performance by heath ledger Mm -hmm. watching it now i i think what's good about his performance is that he create he all the decisions he cho- chose to make a guy who could feasibly exist in real life a guy who paints his face and wants to cause chaos and like make all of these decisions that makes him not seem like an over the top comic book character are mm-hmm. really impressive and and i think deserve praise i suppose um but it doesn't make the movie good and i no <laughs> and, no, and no, I, no 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 he doesn't have anything really to do except 
say some pretty awful lines. He, he gets some pretty lousy lines. I agree. Um, I think everything that's written in this movie is bad. Um, yes. But I uh, think the writing is so, so awful. I actually <laughs> even I, I think that I was more impressed by Heath Ledger's performance this time than I ever have been before. Uh-huh. Uh like I'm really impressed by these like small decisions that he makes that just yes. really make the movie that like, uh, and they're minuscule, they're minuscule little moments, like things like when he gets up from uh, the crash after the big chase scene uh, and he's like going in and Batman's on the motorcycle. He's like, ah, oh, hit me, hit me. I want you to hit me. Hit yeah, I me. want you to do it. I want you to do it. But before he does any of that, when he's like kind of like stumbling out of the car and he just like fires off the gun a little bit is <laughs> such a good choice. Like it's such an interesting, like yeah. it's such an interesting way to portray like being dizzy and disoriented after a huge crash. <laughs> it's like little moments like that, that really make him such a like full fleshed out character. Yes. And then there were things I noticed this time too. Like I never would have said before that I thought Christian Bale was even okay in this movie. Uh, and I don't think that he's anytime he's in the Batman suit, he's so awful. awful yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I love, I love the chemistry and interplay between him and Michael Caine. Uh, their scenes okay. together are really enjoyable. I like it a lot. They have a fun little rapport with each other. They bounce off each other really nicely. Uh-huh. And even though all they ever talk about is like the horrific colonial genocide that Alfred was involved <laughs> in, <laughs> it's still like I a know. really nice little little interplay between them. Yeah. I, and I mean, I think it's so weird because I, I definitely saw a lot more of uh uh, Patrick from American Psycho in mm-hmm. in his Bruce Wayne this time, and it honestly feels like Christopher Nolan saw American Psycho and was like, "That's Bruce Wayne," That's Bruce because Wayne he right like there. doesn't understand that American <laughs> Psycho is a satire. Like he's basically the same guy. Like the way he portrays him as a billionaire, mm-hmm. there's just like constantly being like around. He's like Donald Trump, you know. He's like constantly being around women and like very insane, like uh, boats and stuff. Um, Whenever anybody interacts with him as Bruce Wayne, he's just like this faceless maniac. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I didn't really think of it as like the choice of Nolan was just like, do what you did in American psycho (laughs) until watching it this way. Um, And he's still, I mean, Christian Bale is a weird actor because he's sometimes so good. And then I feel like when he's utilized poorly can just seem like he's not acting. He's like barely there, you know? Yeah. Um, And I feel like he gets to do both in this movie. Like he gets to make his own like good decisions. And then like, I feel like Nolan doesn't really know what he's doing. So, well, nobody knows what to do with him in Batman because it's like, all these other characters have something that you can look to for reference, right? Like you can see billionaire playboys. They exist. You can see violent, scary, weird sociopaths. Those exist, you know, like all these types of characters exist in real life for you to look at. There isn't a dude in a rubber bat costume who goes out (laughs) at night and fights crime. So like when he's Batman, it's like, there's no, there's no great, character that you can make out of that because it's stupid and doesn't exist yeah. <laughs> like if it really existed the guy would just dress up like a regular dude 
<laughs> he wouldn't dress up like a bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you can almost sort of, I, I don't know, like the, the design choices of the Affleck Batman make a little more sense to me, mm-hmm. where it's just like a guy in like military armor, but he's got little ears f- for like branding purposes. Like sure. ki- kind of makes sense. But like, I think the problem is, is that you like a douchebag billionaire playboy who's like spending enough time for people to see him and write paper in the paper that he was like fucking models and stuff mm-hmm. and you know doing cool stuff and what does he say he does like buy a whole soccer team and goes on a boat or something oh no um, he just like he just takes the whole russian ballet out on a date on his right. boat yes doing stuff like that and then actually doing it and then like being that type of dude but also being a guy who like goes around fighting like doesn't really make sense as a character yeah because people know what playboy billionaires are like and you can't really imagine them also being competent and good at stuff yeah (laughs) um so it's just like there's this fundamental contradiction in batman uh because he's a dumb character um and no one knows what to do with him so in Batman Begins, because I think I've only ever seen that once, um, do they really do they like dig into this mafia thing at all? Uh, the Falcone stuff, I don't remember. It's I think this it's is there. The biggest failure of the movie for me, there like there's a lot to criticize in the movie, but I think the biggest failure for me is this whole mafia thing <laughs> is like really not uh built out very well and it's really not spelled out for you at all like for how much people confusing for how much people reference maroney i think this is the first time i ever watched the movie and realized that eric roberts was maroney that's the first time i ever noticed that that's who that's because nobody treats him like the boss nobody treats him like he's in charge or that he's important at all (laughs) yeah he's just another one of the guys in the little council right yeah to the script or to the plan of the like to this to the like in reality of the movie it's but people keep talking about maroney <laughs> you know and 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 it, who's the guy who tries to shoot harvey dent in the very beginning of the movie in court i think it's one of maroney's men yeah it's just it's so fucking convoluted it's it's impossible and it's funny because i remember watching this movie and sort of being like all right i kind of get there's this thing that happens i was i was i was talking about this earlier there's this thing that happens when you're young when you're like in your 20s or early 20s late teens where when people start talking about politics and like the interworkings of like behind the scenes like you know political structuring for me at least my mind would just kind of turn off and i'd be like all right that guy's important or whatever like this guy's in charge and like the movie I think got away with more for being kind of confusing and then like having every 10 minutes, a big action thing happen. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, that guy's not a problem or this something good happened to this guy. And you like got it enough, but like trying to actually parse out what's happening. It's nonsense. Like now that I have like a firm, a pretty firm grasp on like material politics. It's like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. (laughs) Nobody knows who's in charge. Yeah. There's no, like, I still, like, it's so embarrassing to write a script about, like, the DA becoming some sort of hope for the city because he's going to lock up a bunch of people. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's Because so I guess he's bizarre. the only one who's not 
corrupt, but then like they kind of treat the mayor like he's not really corrupt. So why isn't the mayor the beam of right, hope? The mayor's normal. I guess it's just because he wears too much makeup. Everybody's yeah. like, I don't know about that guy. <laughs> they don't really spend any time even showing you that Gotham is bad. Like everybody yeah. looks like they're having a fine, normal time. Mm-hmm. I think you're just supposed to like. You're supposed recognize- to be like a suburban person and just be like, oh, that's a city. Right, where there's Whoa. obviously murder, <laughs> murder rates, yeah, black people. <laughs> um, <laughs> we know how that goes. Um, and it just it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything with that. Yeah, um, I wanted to say also, uh, this is my first time noticing in this movie. Like, I I always knew that that um, chase scene, the big the big cool chase that happens. Uh, that that happens on uh, Lower Wacker in Chicago, right? Because it's the only place in the world oh, that yeah. you can find that kind of like double level road like that. And I always remembered that. But what I didn't realize was like how visibly Chicago, like so much of this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's really funny sometimes that they're just like all this shit happening in Gotham, Gotham. and it's like a big overshot of like clearly the Chicago River. <laughs> like you can do close ins of stuff in New York and get away with like whatever it's Gotham, who cares? You can sure. do close ins of stuff in Chicago and do that. You can't do a big drone shot of the Chicago River and expect <laughs> me not to be like, you're in Chicago, right? This now. is Chicago. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Uh it's it's really goofy. That's there's just so many things that are so goofy. Like that scene in particular, like twice one of the guys driving the the truck says, "We're going to be sitting ducks in there." Yeah, 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 yeah. He says that twice and both times I'm like, "What do you mean?" Like, <laughs> do you think that there's snipers all around you? Yeah, like, why would what, you know that already? Did you, do you have the screenplay? <laughs> in what scenario? Like, what do you mean? Uh, something I, I noticed this time around is when uh, uh, Batman throws Maroney off of the fire escape and he breaks his legs. And then, like, the next time you see him, his legs are fine. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> He's completely fine. It's not supposed to have been that long. It's supposed no, to have been like, like a couple, a couple days. days. Yeah. <laughs> this whole movie takes place over maybe a week. <laughs> yeah that's insane man there's so, and there was so many things that i forgot fucking also happened. what the fuck is the like this is something that's always bothered me even since the first time i watched it is like is batman just immune to falls is oh, that yeah. like his he can thing? fall forever yeah. he can fall <laughs> no problem <laughs> the one time he gets hurt from it is because he didn't expect to fall so he <laughs> just wasn't ready <laughs> But like when he jumps after Rachel and they fly down the side of the fucking building, they fall like 30 stories <laughs> and, and they just land on a car and by... he's like, are you okay? <laughs> I was like, I was fully expecting him to like shoot a grappling hook, shoot a grappling or hook, fly, use a, or a, anything, a parachute something. <laughs> no, he just fucking lands 30 feet onto yeah, on a, a car. car. Oh, good thing there was stories. a car to break my fall. Yeah. <laughs> And and he breaks her fall by just hugging her tight. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you just? Ha- it's a fucking superhero movie. Have him shoot the goddamn grappling hook. He's got the. We know about the grappling hook. We know all kinds of stuff. He's got. Why does he land on a car? It doesn't mean anything. It's just so lazy. And then they don't go back up to the apartment. What happened to the Joker up there? <laughs> yeah, he's just like, oh well, see ya. <laughs> Does he look for? And they all left. <laughs> he's trying to kill Harvey Dent. 
There's also uh, one other funny thing uh, when the Joker does one of his very expensive plans that he claims not to have. Um, <laughs> he kills three people like right at the same time. And I wish I could remember. Oh, oh one of them is the mayor and he does it by uh, poisoning his whiskey. Mm -hmm. Right. And then he, the other one, Gosh, I don't remember what the other one is, but one of them is just the judge, and the it's like, like a car bomb. The, but the clever thing about it is that he has them like hand her a piece of paper that says "up" on it. Yeah, it's like what is that for? She so she sees the word "up" before she dies. This <laughs> like, is well, this is a big <laughs> this is a big thing in The Sopranos too that always happens where like they like always like say something to the guy before they kill him. That's like, but it's not like a like a quip or something like that. It's like. Like, uh, he's like, hey, I told you guys, I'm fucking, you know, I'm done driving my trucks in New Jersey. He's like, yeah, your boss told us. Now I'm telling him. And then he shoots him to death. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Well, why did you give him, why did you tell him that? He can't tell anybody. <laughs> they go through all this yeah, pageantry of like getting people into like comfortable situations where they're like, <laughs> like, yeah, we're just going to the restaurant to eat Clams Casino. And he's like, oh, I love Clams Casino. And then they get there. He's like, surprise, actually, we're murdering you. <laughs> could just done it at the apartment <laughs> the end of season two makes sense though that's a sad one. Oh, i gotta i gotta get up to where you're up to all right I don't really um remember. yeah uh this movie sucks yeah. i gotta say i mean th there's very little even redeeming in it because the fight scenes are lame there's a couple of cool big action stuff but really not that many i would say yeah. like the chase big scene one, is very chase good scene the big like um 18 wheeler going over and crashing very cool very cool let's not mince words here like it's a there's cool parts mm -hmm. um but besides that one uh there's not i think really the opening sequence even with all of the like very expository dialogue i really like the pacing of the opening heist i think it was it's still fine I, I think it's way worse than I remember because of all of the terrible dialogue and just like stuff doesn't really make sense. Like the like I'm supposed to kill the bus driver, which bus driver? The guy has a gun at his head and he's just like hoping that bus like shows up <laughs> to kill that guy. Yeah. Like, and and then like the that. escape like, of going into the line of buses is kind of ridiculous. Like the other bus yeah. drivers wouldn't be like, hey. There's a bus <laughs> with dust all over it. That like, came out, of, out of a bank. Yeah. Uh, very silly. Just like uh, everything that you remember being cool, I feel like is mostly tampered with stupid decisions. And, you know, like, like you say, really scripty, really like comic booky, childish thinking. Yes. Um, and there's just whole plot lines that don't matter. Like, why does Jim Gordon die? Remember he gets shot, yeah, and then and then he's just fine. A couple days later, and he it, like, was wearing a bulletproof vest, I guess. And then, yeah, but like, like, why does that happen? <laughs> he has to pretend to be dead so that I guess he doesn't get targeted by the Joker, so he can be in the truck to do the thing. But it, it, why? It doesn't make yeah, sense. It doesn't make any sense. And then I just feel like the entirety of Harvey's, like Harvey Dent. It the feels tacked on. It always felt tacked on. It always felt tacked on. I remember when I saw it, I was like, I wish they just didn't do Two-Face. Yeah. Um, 
because it's not cool. His whole like, oh, I'm actually just making decisions based on chance now doesn't mean anything, doesn't have anything to do with who he was as a DA. Uh, gosh, it doesn't make any no, sense. No, I mean, as the, I, I like that more than other things, like that he has the trick coin that gets burnt up and now he like... He still holds on to his trick coin, but now it's actually just the regular coin. I I don't mind that. And like because he's like obsessed with like the 50 50 chance that he had to live or die in that moment. Now he gives everybody a 50 50 or whatever. It's not great, but it's okay. It's the problem is that it doesn't belong in this movie (laughs) at all because but just it's I think it feels like it's not bad for a scene, but like a whole villain who's just like, I'm going to shoot you in the head with a gun or not. Isn't that interesting? No, it's not that interesting, <laughs> but it does, it does pay off very well in his little Joker scene. I, I'll always love that moment when he like shows the Joker, the coins, like you live, you die. And Joker is just like, Oh, now we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'll always love that. <laughs> that is good. Uh, and, and that's, that's what's so disappointing about this movie is that you get scenes like that especially for i want to redo what i said i i personally was less affected and less impressed emotionally and i wasn't as excited to see heath ledger's performance but i don't want to take away from like how many fucking great decisions he made basically clearly by himself yeah I don't give Nolan any credit for how good the Joker is in this movie. No, most of those stories that you hear from the set are all just like, yeah, he just did this thing. Like the yeah. great when he's walking away from the hospital and he presses the button a couple times because it doesn't blow up enough. Yeah. Like that's just something he improvised. And it's <laughs> like, still good. And it's and it's still very fascinating to watch. And, and yeah, you get really great moments like that. Um, so I don't want to take away from him being like, a, a really incredible actor who we wish we could have seen more of, but it doesn't save the movie. And, and I will say that <laughs> I used to say that it's a pretty mediocre action movie with a great performance. And now I think it's a dog shit movie with a <laughs> pretty great performance, <laughs> like unwatchable. Like if, if Keith, if Heath Ledger isn't in this movie, it's, it, it's a zero. Like yeah, almost if, nothing is without good about Heath it. Ledger in the movie. This is very much just the Dark Knight Rises. Like yeah. people give the Dark Knight Rises a lot of shit, which it that deserves. They should <laughs> give to this movie as well. Exactly. I, like, I if mean, if there wasn't Heath Ledger in this movie, it would be just as bad. The plot and acting from almost everyone else is just as nonsensical uh and just as random and stupid as it is in the next movie and everyone is blinded by how great his performance as maybe i'll say it's even better than i remember it from making this movie even halfway watchable <laughs> yeah uh because it's really probably as bad as the dark knight rises it's sad because it always makes me think when i watch him of like well, obviously like what we could have seen from him as an actor but additionally like what that third batman movie could have been if they didn't have to do this whole bane thing and whatever like if they could have had, I always thought that they were going to do like again. Joker again, but it's like, uh, which one, what's the comic where it's like the Joker, like busts everybody out of Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum. Is that what it is? I think so. I, I always thought that would have been like, if it was like a time skip and like, it's been like, because of the Joker now, like he's inspired all of these like themed villains to pop up. And Batman's just always having to like catch them and put them away. 
and then the Joker like busts them all out and it's just like hell on earth. And it's like Batman having to go around and fight like a million different themed guys <laughs> all at once who are all like trying to mix their themes together and shit. Just like, like, <laughs> like in the, the old Batman movies where it would be like poison right. Ivy and uh, uh, Mr. Freeze. And they have to like find a way to make those two themes work together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you can do stuff with Batman. That's fun. And I think the problem is, is that Nolan isn't really interested in having fun at all. No, um, he's interested that's in something telling, this movie never is is fun <laughs> un- to, unless he ledgers on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's um real bad. I think it's it's a, not a very good movie and I would not recommend anyone watch it. Um, I think if you've never seen it before, I'd recommend watching it. I will. I have to agree just because if you li- have ever liked comics in any way, like you have here the probably the only good performance of a superhero villain ever but hmm. like i would i would prefer basically any of the marvel spider-man movies to this movie or even a couple of the avengers or like thor ragnarok i'd rather watch i'd take the raimi uh, spider-man over this Sure. There's yeah, but wait, both of wait. the Raimi Spider Man. I would take over this. I'm gonna say that tentatively. Did he do the I third ha- one too? He did. Yeah. Ugh, never mind. I take the I take one and two over this. For I sure. say that tentatively because I haven't seen them since I was in high school, so I bet they suck. No, but, they uh, don't. <laughs> no, they you don't. watched they're, them recently. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> they're very right. good. But I mean, this movie, like, I can't even, I can't even think of like a good comic book villain performance that even. Even comes because I think this is like this is like a Anton Sugar level performance, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's like from No Country for Old Men, you know. Like, I think this is a performance that like raises. If it was a good movie, it would become a great movie. Yeah, because of his performance, it's really impressive, and you should watch it just to see Heath Ledger doing something fucking incredible. Um, unfortunately, every other part of the movie I hate. <laughs> like i think it's like detrimental to society <laughs> and i think it's ruined people's brains about like how to think about writing anything that's true yes it definitely has impacted like this type of blockbuster for an entire generation of writers yeah you, they think that they can just like just like if you watch this movie and then you watch Captain America the Winter Soldier like the the way this has become just the standard of like nothing has to actually matter or make any sense you know and then we can just like praise elected officials in the CIA and just be like oh yeah everybody should just get beaten if they don't fall in line it's just like story-wise and politically this movie is a harbinger of doom for like the next fucking 20 years. Yes, absolutely. And I hate it. But goddamn, what a performance. What a performance. <laughs> well, that's it for this week. All right, that's the movie. Thanks so much for listening to Generation Loss, the show about movies with Brendan Jeremy. If you'd like to hear more of our show, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss where you will find a weekly bonus episode. And this week for um, this month for sure, we'll be doing a soprano season two. Uh, if you, if you have not heard this, we're doing a drive on the Patreon where every 25 patrons, uh, 
I have to watch another season of The Sopranos. So we are now on two. Uh, it's going to be another like 20, 30 patrons till I get to three, which I am now sad about because I want to watch it. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's getting pretty good, I think. Yeah, so, so do, do Bryn a solid here. Yeah, please become a patron. Tell your friends to be a patron so we can get to season three and four and five and six. Um, <laughs> this is so funny because it was before and now like a uh, uh, is a punishment for Bryn. And now it's a punishment for her that you don't let her. You, you will have to you listen to the first episode. You go to patreon.com slash generation loss. Listen to the season one episode because i was not excited to do this uh and the first season i felt fairly vindicated and now it's getting to a point where i'm like shit (laughs) i kind of want to kind of keep watching this show um so listen to that saga over there we do a weekly bonus episode usually it's movie news sometimes it's sopranos sometimes it's reviewing the matrix resurrections um and you also get access to our discord where uh, we play the movie that we're going to show on Sunday. Uh, and then the episode comes out on Monday. So you can see that over there and hang out with us in the Discord. Other than that, we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Take me now, baby, here as I am. Pull me close, try and understand. Desirous hunger is the fire I breathe. Love is a banquet on which we feed